going to go into this today, and it's a little different for church, and I'm going to tell you why, because it's, it's more like university, stepping into the kingdom of God's university. The Bible tells us that we are a friend of God, right? The Bible also tells us in the same passage, he said, you adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. All right. So, he said, your friends. He calls us his friends. And friendship has some stuff that should come with it. Right? I mean, from... For us to call each other friends, our friendship, the depth of our friendship is based upon the knowledge that we have of each other. And based upon that knowledge that we have each, with each other is how far we can go with the conversation. You know, there's just some stuff you can't bring up with some people, but you can bring it up with others, right? Because you don't have a personal relationship with them now listen, you can be related. You can be a mother or a father. But, but I have found myself with my children from time to time, there were areas of life and conversation I can't bring up because I don't have a relationship with them at a level that I can speak that or talk to them about that because my relationship is not there. See, we were raised in an era... Well, some of you, I was the tail end of that. That because we're parents, we can say whatever we want to. And therefore, you didn't have close relationships with your mom and dad. You honored them. You obeyed them. But you couldn't talk to them about anything real until you had a relationship, right? And um, when I bring up friendship like this, God wishes to talk to us, and we wish to talk to him and communicate with him. In the beginnings of my relationship with God, a real relationship, I went to church for years and never had a real relationship with him. And it wasn't until probably, oh, 15, 18 years ago that that relationship really, I was a pastor for a long time and didn't have a real relationship with him. I knew him. I knew what the Word said about him, but I didn't know him like I know him today, okay? And, 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 it's, and there's a lot of pastors out there preaching the gospel, a lot of teachers teaching the gospel, and I say it this way, like the world says it, they who can't teach. <laughs> How many of you heard that before? They who can't teach. And, and sometimes it's, it's not having a relationship, so you're, you're actually coming in with a, a good idea or a thought that's a good thought, and it's a, it's a great philosophy, but is it life? And that's the difference between a relationship and a following, following um, the word to a place where I can, I can snuggle up to God and talk His language. But we never really talk. I can pray his language, but we never really pray. Amen. Here's a thought for you that I love that I got this week. It was pretty neat from, an, from somebody else. Some of you may have seen it. Do you know you can never arrive to church late? I don't care what time you show up. You're never late. Matter of fact, if we're going to call one late after they get here, you know, right before the singing's in, they show up, we go, well, they're late for church. And then we talk to the person who comes in, and they're 15 minutes early, and we go, well, they're early for church. And then this is late for church. Well, well, really, church is going on already. Church is worship. And the Bible says that Day and night, as day and night rotates as the sun, as this earth goes around that sun, and this earth rotates as it's going around that sun, worship is going on 
24-7 in heaven. And we break for an hour a week to step into that realm. And then we break right back away and do our own thing while worship is still going on. So really, who's late? All of us this morning showed up late. We showed up in the middle of service. Amen? Amen. We just got to think different. If we're going to be a friend of God, he calls us friends, but for us to call him friend, we've got to begin to know him. And there's no better way to know him. Um, Bones, I'm going to pick on him today. The first time I met him, I met him as Bones. Now, there's a story there. And, and everybody, I mean, how many of you had a nickname going to school? Yeah, I did. And if you go out there to the Christopher uh, High School, you'll see it underneath my name, Stringer. I, I, I don't know why, but that's, that was my name. That was my nickname. It was better than in college. College, I was named Chong. And I hung out with another guy, and his name was Cheech. <laughs> and so, and I'm not... I'm not going to talk to any of you about that. <laughs> but when we get to know the nickname, we get to know a story behind it. And the story behind it gives us an opportunity to know a little more of who they are. Because just to hear the name, it never tells us who they are what they did, what their preferences were, their likes, their dislikes, what, they, what, what their favorite meal was, what their favorite music is, where do they like to go on vacation, and who they really are. You just have a name. So God gave us his name, and I, I'm going to show this to you real quick, and, and this is why... I don't know how far this will go because it, it is what I would define as an exhaustive study. And if any of you know what an exhaustive study is, it means it'll exhaust you. And I don't want to put you to sleep, but I really get hung up on this stuff and I, I, I can get lost in it because I love, I love it. But, but here's, here's something maybe you didn't know. And I had to write this down because... I knew with what I got to say today, I'm not going to remember this. But how many names does God have? I can tell you right now, and I'm going to go into him, but he has more than one name. But how many names does Jesus have? Did you know Jesus is referred to in, in, in over, or well, right at 318 different names in the Bible? He has 318 names in the Bible. Do you know how many names the Holy Spirit has? 87 names that is referred to as the Holy Spirit. And God, he has 12 names. And the names, if the, the, the more we get to know God as, this is not my Copenhagen, this is my breath mints. I don't, when you walk around with that, and I don't want anybody to think I'm preaching and they see a big old circle in my pocket. Um. So, so here's, here's the thing. If we're going to know him, we're probably going to have to get to know him by name. And what's that mean? And, and, and here, I'm just going to give you his names real quick. I, I won't go through all the derivatives, but, but his first name that he shows up in is Elohim. Jehovah is the second name that he shows up in the word with. Then he shows up in El Shaddai and then Adonai. So when we listen to Amy Grant sing, El Shaddai, El Shaddai, Elohim, she's giving the names of who God is and what he's about to do. It's not what he says, it's who he is. It is in his name. And, the, and in the... In the in this culture that we study in the Word, names were very important. It, 
reflected who they were. And that's why God used his name to show the people of Israel who he was. And the problem is we have lost that in today's church. You don't hear a lot of study on this. And as we don't hear a lot of study, we fail to know really who God is. So we have Jesus took the stripes, he hung on the cross, and, and all of that, and now we're healed. And, and I don't understand that. I don't get that. I, I hear that. But I can tell you why you don't understand that and why you don't get that is because you don't know the name of his father behind that. The name of his father behind that because after Elohim, after Jehovah, after El Shaddai and Adonai comes the derivatives of Jehovah. And what you don't understand, and what I didn't, you know, I didn't understand before I did the study on this, and I've got three books back there that they're just, the pages are just yellowed now. They're that old. And I bought them. They were white. And, I mean, that's how old they are. I got these when I was pretty young. What we have to understand, if we're going to believe in God, we have to believe in who he is. Okay? And Elohim, well, this is good. Elohim is used in chapter 1 and part of chapter 2 in Genesis. See, what we read, we just see God. God, 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 God. And all of a sudden, we see Jesus, right? And then Jesus, Jesus, Jesus for three cha- for four chapters. And then we see the Holy Spirit. And then it's the Holy Spirit throughout the rest of the Bible until we get back to Revelation. And then it's Jesus again, Right? But if you read the Bible and study it, you find out that it is not God, 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 God. In the beginning, it was Elohim. What's that mean? Elohim, when, 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 when written out in English, is capital L-O-R-D. When Jehovah is written out, it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And I'm going to show you the difference. In the beginning, there was, he, he, remember, he spoke light, but that was before there was light. And after he spoke light, there wasn't any light. But then later on, he spoke light, and then there was light. The first light he spoke, it reveals to us in John chapter 1, that he spoke the life of men. The, the light was the life of men. So the first light he spoke, well, he was not speaking about what you can see and the sunshine. He was talking about the life of men. When God created this whole thing, he used his name as Elohim, capital L, little O, little R, little D. He used that name on purpose because he is the Lord of all creation And what he did, he did for all of humanity. In other words, when he spoke life and breath into the human being, this is is going to straighten a lot of things out here. God is not coming to bring judgment on the earth yet. What we're going through right now is not judgment on the earth. That is sin and the earth convulsing. The Bible tells us that the earth groans with travail to witness the manifestation of the sons of Jehovah. Now, that's different. Because you, if you're a believer today, you know God, and he tries to reveal himself to you as Jehovah. Because even Hitler had the breath of life in him. Mussolini had the breath of life in him. Y'all, some of you worked in the prison system and you saw a lot of stuff in there. Some got saved, some really didn't get saved, but every one of them had the breath of life in them. That's Elohim. In other words, we have to remember, that's why he tells us don't judge because you don't know the plan that I have for that human being. You don't know what I've got in mind. You don't know the destiny that I have because I have a destiny for everyone. And therefore, we cannot judge. 
But we do have to bring about some kind of order and punishment because there is sin in the earth. We have to have judges. We have to have juries. We have to have attorneys. We have to have those things. We have to have a court of law, and we have to, we have to fulfill that punishment, and God gives us how to do that in his word. But what he's wanting to try to tell us is if you're going to know me, you've got to know me for who I am. It wasn't until after chapter 2, what happened in chapter 2? Sin came into the earth, right? Now, here's what's amazing to me, very amazing to me, that before sin was in the earth, he called himself capital L-O-R-D. But after sin came into the earth, I would have thought he would have went little L-O-R-D. You know, I, I, I thought, forget all of you. you. I gave you all this, and this is what you do with it. Forget all of you. But that's not what God did. God said, I'm going to up the ante here. Because sin came in, and they and he showed them how to prepare a sacrifice, and he clothed them in the clothing of that sacrifice, I'm going to say it's not quite like what we read in our nursery books about God. I'm going to say when he put those animal skins on them, they were still bloody. Because it's the blood. It's the blood. You cannot have redemption without the blood. And I'm going to say they were a bloody mess when he got done putting them skins on them. And then he showed them how to lay out that sacrifice and bring a sweet-smelling savor. And at that point in time, through sacrifice and through covenant, he became Jehovah to them. To the rest of the world, he was still Elohim. But to them, he was now Jehovah. Why? Because they are a people of covenant. Hmm. If we're going to get to know him, we need to get to know him. We're going to call him by name. I want to know why. Amen. So I'm going to mess with one here because I believe um, uh, we need to get some more footing in this. All right. Because I sent a bunch, I sent a, you know, a bunch of you a, a, a messenger this week and it, and it was a song called Rapha. Uh, I, I got it ready to play in case we want to pray for somebody today. But Rapha is one of the derivatives of Jehovah, Jehovah Rapha, all right? Well, what is that? That doesn't mean anything to me. It means everything to you because everything tied up with Jehovah Rapha has to do with what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus, this was the shadow and types Jesus fulfilled. Jesus honored his father, which brought honor he paid the price for honoring our parents by honoring his father hanging on the tree. Everything that we have accessible to us is through Christ. Everything. But God shows us who he is before he brought Christ into the picture so that what Christ did would validate who he is. So there's no argument. It was a, listen, a testimony is no good unless out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. God showed himself in the desert, out in the wilderness. The people failed and sinned, and when they sinned, snakes came out. Remember that story? And they bit the people. And people were dying, and people were sick, and it was a real problem. And what did God tell Moses to do? He said, go out there and you get you a, a, I believe that it was a cross. He said, go get a post, put it in the ground, and, and, and put an idol on that. And it's not an idol, but a, an image on that. Not an idol, an image. Put an image on that. What should I put the image? An image of the snake that bit them, put that on the pole. And everyone who looks to that image, I will heal. Okay? I will heal. Everyone. Today, you can go in any doctor's office, dental office, any place you go, you see a snake on a pole. And they don't even know what they've got. 
They don't even know why they do that. There's there's something back there in the past, but it has not been brought generation to generation to generation to know what that really means. God said, take the judgment of what they did and put that on the pole and when they look, because everything that is hung on the pole is cursed. And when they look at the pole, they see that the serpent is cursed and they will receive their healing because if it's cursed, it has no power on them. Are we getting someplace? Your healing, and then that in that time right there, he's referred to as Jehovah Rapha. The God, here's, here's the definition, the God that healeth thee. That's powerful, folks. That's powerful. Do you understand that when we look at our, here's the hiccup of, the hiccup of, of healing. The hiccup of healing is we can't get our eyes off of us. We can't get our eyes off of our sin. We can't get our eyes off of our punishment. As long as the children of Israel were looking at their sin and their punishment for it, they knew why those snakes showed up. Out of their disobedience, the snakes showed up. And out of that disobedience, the snake showed up and bit them. And that was their punishment. And if they could not look upon the pole and see their punishment now has been cursed, and once punishment is cursed, it has no more hold on you, and now you're healed. But as long as you keep looking at the punishment... And are looking at your curse and looking at your what you did to get here and what, what what's wrong with you, you can't look at the pole with the curse with the curse held on it. You can't look at it, you can't look at that, then you die. Physically you die. Okay? That's why Jesus had to be hung on a cross, because cursed is everything that's hung on a cross. And that's why Jesus had to bear all of our sickness and disease before he got to the cross. His, by his stripes, you are healed. Why? Not because of the stripes, particularly at the time of the stripes. We always want to look to the stripes. But the stripes were put on him first before he was put on the cross. Why? So that the, so that the, the payment... Our punishment would be put on him first before he was put on the cross. And then when he was put on the cross, our punishment became cursed. And once it became cursed, it had no longer a hold on me. Now, in the beginning of this message, I told you we're the friends of God. And he said, you adulterers and, and adulteresses. What did he say? You, your friendship with the world is an enmity with me. It's, in other words, that's, a, that's our strife. Our strife with each other is that, that world out there that you keep looking at. And you're going to have to make a decision. He goes on to say that if you're going to stay with this, you become an enemy with me. And you go, how can we become an enemy with God? I would never be an enemy of God, but God's children are an enemy with Him all the time. What's an enemy with God? To be against what He says you can have. To try to reason out with what you're hearing from the world and what you think you can figure out and what you think you can study. 
I've told you before, you cannot open up that book without talking to the Holy Spirit first because he's the author and the revealer of all of it. He, the Bible says he's your teacher. You don't open up that Bible. You don't put in your tape. You don't put in your CD. You don't listen to the Word. Without, that's what I talked last week about preparation for church. You, you, you need to come to church, and, and at some point in time while you're driving here, you, if you've got your wife and husband, if your wife and husband, if, if, you're, if you're single, whatever you've got to do, you need to take each other's hand. Say, Father, we're coming into this service. And Father, in agreement right now in Jesus' name, we will hear your word that you have prepared for me today and for us today and for our family. We will hear revelation today, and it will come revealed to us. Because if it's not that, then this is just words rolling out, falling to the ground, and absolutely nothing happening in anybody's life. But when we prepare our hearts ahead of time, that's why Sunday mornings are so tough. That's why arguments can break out in Sunday morning where they won't break out any other time of the week. Because Satan does not care about any other time of the week. What he cares about is if I can get in that cab of that vehicle, if I can, if I can get in that bathroom, if I can get around that ironing board, if I can get down through the hallway of that house, and I can get some strife going, and I can get them arguing about something that happened yesterday or, or is going to go on tomorrow. Anything I can, if I can get the children all, your children, when they get all restless trying to get ready for church, that's when you need to just stop for a minute and say, okay, I got news for you. I'm taking authority. Is the devil in your children? No. But he'll make them as restless as he makes you. He'll make them as impatient as he makes you. He'll push their buttons just like he pushes yours. And that's time for you to take authority in your house and say, okay, that's enough. You're messing and went messing too far. Those are my children. They are mine under covenant. And I am in covenant with God. And through Jesus Christ and the power of God, you got to leave this thing alone. We're going to church. We're going to hear a word from the Lord, and we're going to grow, and we're going to know who he is, and he is going to be our father, our God, our priest. He's going to be everything to us, and that's the way it's going to be. You know what he has to do? Resisted him, he has to flee. You resisted him, he has to flee. Folks, I'm telling you, when we get to know who he is through his name, it begins to tell us and validate in us that what he said he will do because he has to because it's who he is. And understand that's the sovereignty of God. That is the sovereignty of God. God chose that this is who I am. God said, this is who I am, and this is my name to prove who I am, to tell you who I am, and this is how I operate. That's all God. Now, when we don't receive that, what he's wanting to do, because, see, when he's able to do for us what he said he would do, what happens on the earth? He is glorified. And the Bible says that he desires to fill the earth with his glory. Who's he going to do that through? Us. How's he going to do that? By moving in our life and making the promises yes and amen to you who, is, who has him as Jehovah and not just as Elohim. The rest of the world has him as Elohim. You have him as Jehovah. And everything that Jehovah says he is. Oh, there's eight of them. I'm just giving you one. There's seven more. There's seven more. And you know what's amazing about these eight names, derivatives of Jehovah? Do you know what's so powerful about them? If you go into Romans and study what Z salvation is, Sozo, remember I've told you that's the Greek word for sozo? Everything that sozo is, is who God is through Jehovah and his eight names. <laughs> the, 
The Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is who he was for the Israelites. This is who he is for us today. And this is who he shall be for eternity. He will never change. He couldn't get them to receive, so he said, I'll just go to the, I'll just go to the heathen. Hello? And I'll make the heathen my inheritance. I'll give them my, guess who we are? We're the heathen. We're the Gentiles. We don't have a Ten Commandment covenant. We were people without a covenant. And then he brought Jesus. The only way you could get in this thing before Jesus was that you had to either hook up with a Jew or you had to submit to a Jew and serve a Jew and then take you in as part of their family. That's the only way you had to be part. Of, you could come into their community and live, but you had to live by their laws, their rules, and you had to serve them. And that wasn't very good because you, now you had to depend on their covenant that they had. And they weren't fulfilling it. They were actually rejecting it. I'm going to say it this way. You have Jehovah, and then you have all the amendments of Jehovah. And that's his, all of his eight names as Jehovah. Ooh. Now, I'd love to spend time um, teaching you on all those names. I don't know that I'll get that chance. But today we're going to talk about Rapha, your healer your deliverer, and he's God, he's God Jehovah, Jehovah Rapha. He is your healer. He is your deliverer. He will he, take depression and remove it. He will take addiction and restore you. Every depression. The moment we look at our, our every, every Addiction. Every time we look at our addiction is different, our situation is different, we immediately now have decided we're going to listen to the world and what they have to say. Because where did you get that information? I lived in a very um, sheltered life uh, growing up. My dad was, um, mom and dad, I never knew them to have too many friends. Dad, Dad had told us more than once that if you want to trust somebody, right here at this table is who you can trust. Look across the table. That's who you can trust. So we're kind of backwards. If you want to talk about backwards, we were backwards. Dad, Dad was, that's just how Dad was. Dad didn't trust me, people. Now, Mama, tell you he didn't trust me, people. Okay? I'm not talking bad about my father. I'm talking about my raising. And in that, we believed in the gifts of the Holy Spirit going to church. And I was raised with that. I was raised in that fire. I, I watched a man in dress shoes on those old wooden benches. Now, how many of you know that wasn't much there on that bench? And it was slick. I watched God move one night, and this guy got up out of his chair, took off running around that building. I mean an outbreak of the, you could feel something. It was, I could, you could feel the Spirit of God. You know, like, like, like a breeze in there. Next thing I knew, he jumped on top of those, those bleachers or those, 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 heat, those, uh, those, those, those pews in the back. And I'm sitting right over there, and I'm looking at him. I'm a little wide-eyed little kid. He jumped. He jumped. Now, he had to have been close to my age. Jennifer, you, you've been there? You've been in one of those services? Jumped. And I couldn't jump on the top of that right there. Jumped on that and then ran the tops of those pews all the way down. And when he did, I mean it broke out. When I say it, the Holy Spirit broke out. And I mean people were speaking in tongues, falling out in the Spirit. Just wow, boom, you know. And then we got away from that a lot. And then later on in my life, I hooked up with a gentleman and, uh, and he began to function differently, stronger. It was like more mature. Um, I'd get in services with him, and he had a Bible. I went out and bought a Bible just like his. I had to have a Bible just like his because, man, he'd take that Bible, 
And he'd like say, like you, he'd say, stand up. And you'd stand up and say, step out in the aisle. And from here, he'd say, catch my Bible. And he'd throw that Bible to that gentleman. And when that Bible touched his hands, pow, right out in the Holy Spirit, gone. For the rest of the service, he was gone. And it wasn't long. I would sing back then, and that would stir him up. When I had some of the songs I'd sing, he'd stir him up. He said, I need you to go with me. And we traveled with him everywhere, just watching. And then he started letting me, you know, you take your Bible, you lay it on him. And I'd lay my Bible on somebody, and man, out like a light. i go, woo, that's something, you know. But being raised in that, I didn't know that no other church, that I didn't know that you could go down the street and they'd never seen that. They didn't know anything about that. I just thought that was church. I didn't know that, oh, there's a whole lot of other stuff that went on with that too. So, so that, 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 I, that you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I looked at that and I thought it was just hard for me to imagine that, that y'all don't have that going on in your church, you know? Well, when we get to know him, and what I found out was their attitudes and some of their thoughts and some of their reactions to that, they had taken on an idea that didn't come from the church. They got an idea outside the church of how church should be conducted. Hello? Know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? When we begin to take on the idea of, well, this could be embarrassing. We're not sure we should do it. See, what it did was it caused those reactions and those thoughts and ideas from outside the church that were actually in the church, coming from with outside the church, got in the church, and then went to the other church and let them know. I remember going to uh, the hardware store there in town, and it came up where we went to church. And the owner said, oh, you're them holy rollers. Well, that's the first time I'd ever heard that. I thought that was kind of insulting. I was just a little kid. That was, that was insulting to me, holy rollers. I never thought any of us were holy because I knew all of us. We certainly weren't holy. And the rolling around on the floor, I, I never really seen anybody roll around on the floor much. I saw them fall out in the spirit, but I never seen them you know, act, acting ridiculous or anything. I, I never seen anything, you know. But with that thought, all of a sudden, it put a thought in our thought that we might be weird. And by being weird, we need to stop being weird. Hello? Right? So where did that thought come from? Did that thought come from God? Or did that thought come from the world? Well, that thought came from the world. And then we developed that thought. And it wasn't long before nothing happened in the nothing happened in the church. So we moved to another church, and nothing really was happening much there either. And finally, one upper echelon of the church, he came by and preached at the church, and I went to listen to him, and he said, Now, wasn't that fire today? I said, Yeah, but was anybody changed? We've got to be transformed back to him and his thinking. What does he say about his name? Who does he say he is? And are we going to look to him or are we going to look to ourselves? See, the moment we look to our own sin, that has become enmity with God. When we fulfill looking at ourselves. And looking at who we are and what we've done and what, why we don't deserve. We've now created an idea in our mind that is an enemy with God. What does that mean, enemy? It means God can't do what he wants to do because you've already firmed up a thought process that says he can't do that for me. 
because of what I am looking at. What's happened is we would never do it intentionally, but what we've actually done is we have lifted our own thought process and what we think above what he said. Now we've made our thoughts the God of our life, and we've made our, our, what we look at the God of our life, and what we believe the God of our life not. Now do you see how we can become an enemy with God and not even realize we're being an enemy with him? There's times that my children have offended me. We, we don't understand one another. I've, I've offended them, but we're just going to talk about me right now. They've offended me. They didn't know they offended me because it had to do with what I believed for them and what they, what, how they received it and what they chose to believe. But I had to give it time and trust in the Lord and let that relationship develop. What happens in that? I change, right? So, so listen, we're going to have to look at this thing, and we're going to have to decide who God is. And we're going to let, the, let him be God and receive what he has for us and realize when we, look, when, we're, when we look at what we've done, when we look at our sin, we are not looking at him, we're looking at us. And the reason he gave us these different names is so that we would look to him. And that takes training. That's why Paul said, be not conformed to this world. See, it's all over the scripture. But be you conformed to, the, be, be not conformed to this world, but be, but, but, but be renewed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I have to quit. I'm telling you, the church will tell you that, that it, you, you sinned, you failed this week, you got to repent and start your first works over again. And it's every stinking Sunday. When do we get out of this rut? When we quit looking at ourselves and look to Him. I know that's hard for, for religion to grab a hold of, but I love what one person put out this last week. Religion is always looking for a why, and grace is always, and, and the kingdom of God is always looking for demonstration. And that's the difference. We spend too much time as, why isn't he healing me? Why isn't he? And you know what you're doing the whole time you're saying that? You're looking at your sickness. You're looking at your disease. You're, you're gripped by your fear of what the doctor's report has been or, or what's going on with your body. You're gripped with fear of that. Instead of stopping all of that and saying, I'm going to look to him. I'm going to quit looking at me. I'm going to quit looking at my symptoms. I'm going to quit looking at my report. And I'm going to look at him. Yeah, but I don't understand. I, got, I told you about a lady this last couple weeks. A friend of mine who got the, the results of blood cancer. Remember that? All right? Blood cancer. Told her she had just so many months, and that's all you got. There's nothing we can do. No blood transfusion. There's nothing we can do try to make you comfortable. You're going to die. Go home. Set your house in order. And these are the symptoms you're going to begin to feel. And when you begin to sense those symptoms, know that decline is going to take place and rapidly. I tried to talk to her, and God said, step back. I step back. I said, just know Jesus can do it. I just, and that's all I said. Last thing out of my, I just know Jesus can do it. And I went on about my work. I didn't judge her. She couldn't receive what I was trying to say. I was trying to talk to her, and she was just mowing me over with, she's already dead. I'm, these, these symptoms are going to start happening very soon. I'm not going to make it. And thank God I was sensitive enough, because I have a voice in her life. But I was sensitive enough to hear God say, back up. I said, well, he's getting ready to do something. Now, in my, in my mind, 
if she stays like she is, she's going to die. Now, that's what's going to happen. She's going to die. So now what can happen in that? What, what, what can take place to change that? She went to bed one night and got a visitation from the Lord. From the Lord. The Lord showed up in her bedroom and said, I am going to heal you. So she started telling people. Jesus showed up in my bedroom and he said, He's going to heal me. And you know, people were like, <laughs> Yeah. And then she'd say, and then she, she still had this in her. Now understand, she still had this in her. She said, but if he doesn't, I'm going to be healed anyway. Like that. She went back to the doctor. They drew blood on her. She has nothing wrong with her. She has nothing wrong with her. There's nothing wrong with her. And now she's telling everybody, I'm healed. Jesus has healed me. I, her, she's got a family member that she came up to us the other day. We was putting up a little Debbie cake. She came up to us. She said, did you hear about mom? I said, yeah. She just tears starting to well up. Her voice starting to shake. Jesus healed her. I didn't know Jesus would ever come out of her mouth, let alone, you know, I just wasn't looking for Jesus to come out of her mouth. But she's, see what, what's happening? The God is getting the glory. He's glorifying himself in the earth, and now hearts are turning toward him. Hallelujah. Last thing I had on my mind was that she get a visitation from the Lord. You talking all that of that doubt and unbelief? Are you talking yourself into the grave? Why? You keep doing this, you're going you're gonna find that grave. You'll find it. But God had a way. Rapha. Jehovah Rapha showed up. Amen. Does she understand how? Does she understand why? Does she understand any of that? No. I said all that to say this. Quit trying to understand and quit asking why and quit asking how. Instead, start asking who. Who is he? Who is he and who... Who's he say he is, and what does he say he's going to do? And now I'm going to look at that. I'm going to see the cross full of Jesus, not an empty cross, a cross full of Jesus who's carrying, who's carrying my disease, who's carrying my depression, who's carrying my sickness, who's carrying... I'm going to look to him and see he's the one who carried it. He's the one who said it's finished. Amen. 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 Is that all right today? Jehovah Rapha. Man, get to know him. Get to know him and who he is. Did you realize in one of those names, this is something that I'm just going to close. This is something that we, some of us don't understand and get. Pat and I were put in a position that we either get it or we're going to be in trouble. I even had the bank begging me to take, to take bankruptcy. Now, when the bank's calling you, asking you, would you please take bankruptcy? You know you're already past trouble. Amen? And see, what we get to thinking in the Christian life, that finances is our fault. My sickness, we didn't have anything to do with, so God will fix that. But finances, i got to figure out myself. Relationships, i got to figure out myself. All this other stuff, i gotta, I got to figure out myself. Well, I can tell you right now, in those areas, you're an enemy with God. Did you hear me? You're an enemy with God in those areas. 
You might not be an enemy with God with your healing, but you're an enemy with God with your finances. But I tithe and I give and I do all that. No, it doesn't matter what you do. That does not change. You can't, you can't appease God with your money. You've got to change your mind and realize he's the one. He's the one that's going to bless you. He's the one that's going to provide for you. He's the one, not you. He's either all in all or he's nothing. I can tell you right now, one of those names has to do with your finances and everything to do with your finances. Blessing, increase, has to do with everything. I'm telling you, all eight of those names have something specific to do with something very personal with your life that he wants to be God in. He wants to be capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Amen? Amen. If anybody needs prayer this morning for healing, specifically for healing, we want to pray for you today. Amen? And as we, as we uh, end this service, you can, you can, you, you're, you're free to go home. Uh, you're, you won't disturb anything. You won't disturb anything at all. Um, just know that uh, I know you, you might have plans, and we're not going to get in the middle of those plans. But for somebody here who might need healing, God has a plan for you, and God wants to get, get time out here to begin to do that work in Jesus' name. Now, now understand, for some people, healing doesn't come. Healing may not come today, but the transformation of your mind may start today to receive that healing, to open yourself up to another thought. See, I, I don't know what the thoughts were going on in our friend. I know what she was saying out of fear, out of desperation. She was saying a lot of stuff, but obviously in her heart, she was praying some prayers. She was calling out to God. She was seeking his face. She was looking for him to show up. And he did. He showed up like, like she doesn't even go to church. But she's a child of God. So if you, um, even if we don't today have this going on, we're still going to listen to this song as we leave. All right? So you feel, you feel, I want you to just stand up, stand, stand, stand up right now. If if you have, if you have, if you want prayer, I want you to come on down. If not, I want you to just fellowship, and we're going to leave with this right here.